Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The Morning Roast is live on YouTube right now. Take it away, Bonte. What up, Steph? We'll see you in the 215 Philadelphia. What a way to take it out of fighting Kate Scott's. Where's going to prove the 3 and 1 on this road trip? That'd be a winning road trip, folks. What? A day before the deadline, we'll talk to Slater about the Warriors at 9 20. He's in the, Philly. What would the logo of the fighting Kate Scotts look like? Ooh. Have glasses on, have a microphone in her head. She'd be scowling. So the pen would be mightier than the sword? It would be. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. The microphone would be the most powerful weapon. It was good to see Kate Scott last week in town. It was really good. She came on the set. She was really good. I know. I watched the clip, and my name didn't get referenced once. I know. I know. You know I'm always looking for myself. I know. I know. He was hanging on to every word. Every word. Well, we are the 11th best show in the country. Thank you, Jason Barrett. Are we? Well, yeah, a bunch of old white guys who wear suits, who are from all over the country, vote based on chemistry and... You know, content and ratings, and they rank them. Sean and RJ beat us in this particular ranking. I was like, <laughs> of course they did. Them white suits that are voting love vanilla. Well, our ratings been in the twos for so many years. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. And I want to talk about I'm the Super Bowl with a guy who won three of them. It was vital to the Niners' success on that offensive line. Bob McKittrick, of course, the longtime offensive line coach. Bill Walsh, the coach. And he knows a little something about playing in big games. He's a college football Hall of Famer, former 49ers offensive lineman, and three-time Super Bowl champ. Randy Cross joins the Morning Rose here on the Boxer and Gersey guest line. Randy, good morning, man. Thanks so much for spending some time with uh, Joe Shasky and Bonte Hill. Uh, it's my it's my pleasure, guys. And it's uh, I'm happy for the Bay Area. I think all Niner fans, are uh, they've got this coming. No, yeah, we, we, we feel like it, man. This is a big game. We can't wait to get down to Vegas for this big game between the Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs and rematch the Super Bowl 54. And you know about rematches. Uh, obviously, you guys played the Bengals in 81 and then later on in 88. What was that like playing a team the second time around in the Super Bowl? Although there was a different cast of characters, and maybe even different coaches, but same team, same organizations. Yeah, when it's, when it's seven years separated, especially in the NFL, um, it's the same two organizations, but as far as the teams, the, the teams were right. pretty different, you know. And, and there was there were, I, I would say less than fifteen guys, I think, from that first Super Bowl that were still there for the next one, if it was that high. But you know, the motivation I know for Bill was still there because it was a place that he had he had worked and right. he always enjoyed beating the make the Bengals. 
But, you know, especially the way that game went, you know, you look back at that, that Super Bowl, the last one here against Kansas City, um, it was right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a, hey, we should have, could have, would have, you could have a field day watching that tape. If you had an opportunity to address Kyle Shanahan, knowing what we know about Shanahan, I know you've you've watched it with a fine-tooth comb in Atlanta and then now mm-hmm. with the 49ers when he lost the Super Bowl, what would your suggestion be to him? I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, he doesn't know football. I'm just saying, like, your your suggestion to him to do different in this Super Bowl that he didn't do in the last two. Hey, it's, it's always incumbent upon a coach, especially a coach who calls plays. Um, you've got to constantly be evolving. You've got to constantly be changing. You've got to, you've got to be a moving target for your opponents. But you know what? Sometimes it's, it, it's okay to run the ball. Sometimes it's okay to run the same play twice if it works. Um, you know, that, that loss against the Patriots for the Falcons when he was O.C., is something that I'm sure stung severely being in that situation and losing the way they did and, you know, being in a position to win it in New Orleans, you know, where you, you could have run the ball, you could have done different things. He, he gets another shot, and I'm sure he'll insist and, hey, all that doesn't matter. But it, it's, he'll be amazed by how much better being one and three in Super Bowls or one and two in Super Bowls is going to feel compared to uh, not having a win. Yeah, that would be tough for everybody here in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. about the fact that they've got the four NFC championship games in the last five years, two Super Bowls in the last five years. We're talking to Randy Cross here on the Boxer Girls and Guest Line, three-time Super Bowl chat with the 49ers, former offensive lineman, center guard, you name it. He did it all on the offensive line, Randy. Obviously, part of that catch game. We all remember that. Joe and I were not even born yet when that play happened. We were born mm-hmm. later that year, but we've watched the game over and over, the call by Vince Scully. And Montana, a lot of people forget he had three interceptions, threw three picks in that game, but was able to come back and make that dramatic play, that dramatic throw to Dwight Clark there in the back of the end zone. Watch a Brock Purdy come back twice. It has been a little rewriting in both playoff games this year. What have, you seen, what have you seen from him? Has he conjured up memories from those days with Montana in the early years with the 49ers in the early 80s? The way he's finished the last two games, absolutely. Hmm. I mean, there's, there's no possible way. And despite, despite having that ability to close, and despite answering the bell when you really, really needed to, you're still going to have a good number of haters out there for whatever reason that are going to criticize and take pot shots at a guy, especially a young guy like this, that, you know, they, they just don't believe. I don't know if – I can't think of anybody in that offense you'd want in that offense that would be better at it, that has a record now of a guy that can answer the call in the big moments. Um, and it really makes you think how much different that Philly game would have been last year. At least that's what I was thinking of after the championship game this year. I was like, man, if he doesn't hurt his elbow, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a safe lead against this guy. And he could do that against – he could have done that against Philly. They could have been in another Super Bowl. But, you know, that's, that's woulda, coulda, shoulda territory. But, yeah, I mean, his ability to come back and answer the bell, that's the thing – What's your biggest criticism of a guy that may indeed be the MVP, Lamar Jackson? It's how does he answer late in big games? How is he in the most intense pressure moments? He had a chance a week and a half ago. 
and again, it slipped away from him. Those are the kind of games and those are the kind of moments you build your legacy and your reputation on, and that is why I think a lot of people that know what they're talking about in the game think so highly of Purdy because he's answered the bell and he's made the other guy pay. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were talking about how prolific uh, McCaffrey's season has been, um, just in, in terms of Niner excellence. You know, I mean, Jerry Rice's 87 season, even though there was a strike and guys crossing the picket line and what I mean, he scored 23 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns in, in one um, in one year in like 12 games. You played with Roger Craig. Games. What's that? <laughs> I said twelve games too. That was crazy. I know, insane. <laughs> you know, it was it was an incredible year. He caught sixty five balls that year, right? McCaffrey's had like three hundred and forty touches this year, twenty three touchdowns, two thousand yards, and that's just the regular season. You played with a guy, Roger Craig, who my my partner here thinks is one of the most underrated players yeah. in the history of the game. I can't believe be he's not in the Hall of Fame, Randy. I, I really can't. He was a decade in the eighties running back, running back in the eighties yeah. with Walter Payton. Yeah. Incredible. Anyway, go on. Join 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 the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all agree. But, like, I'm looking at CMC, and no one's talking about him heading into this game. And to me, yeah. he, I think he's the best player on the team. And I think he's one of the best players on the planet. He's got no holes in his game. Like, when you have a player of that magnitude, what does that do for a team? What does that do for an offensive line? It's, it's a huge confidence builder. Um, they've got a really talented offensive line, led by one of the greater greatest tackles that's ever played the game. Um, so they've got the ability to run. That's and but it's the running game's lowbrow, guys. I mean, what kind of a genius needs to design a running game? <laughs> people people discount the running game. It's like, ah, eh, well. And I tell you what, the Niner defense better get their stuff together because Andy Reid's got a little something for you if you're going to defend the run like they did the last couple of games, and specifically those defensive ends need to anchor those ends. They they got blocked on numerous occasions by wide receivers and backup tight ends, one-on-one. So, yeah, it's the running game and, and what it does is something that and, – and as this week goes on, you watch. We get into Friday or so and Saturday, there'll be more of an emphasis on that because of how important it's going to be in this game. And that's that's what makes – you know, CMC so valuable to the Niners is that exact same look he can give you in an inside or an outside zone run. They can give you the exact same look, and he's a receiver. Yep. And it's it's nasty. Yep, yep. Randy Cross here on a one of Ross, courtesy of the Boxer and Gers and Guest Line. You're still spot on. And last year, the Chiefs Super Bowl, the Chiefs Super Bowl win over the Eagles, Isaiah Pacheco was a difference maker, I believe. They stuck to the running game, and he had 75 hard, hard-earned uh, uh, yards there. He averaged over five yards a carry. How do the Niners fix this run defense in such a short period of time? It gets Andy Reid, who's a genius, and then you give him an extra week to prepare for you, and he's going to cook up all these things here. Is it scheme? Do, you, do they need to go to maybe a five-man front like they did against Jacksonville? What do they need to switch, fix on this defensive line and this defense to stop the run this Sunday? Part of it's part of it's the scheme, and a good bit of it is is discipline and determination. You know, the discipline of playing your role in an individual defense that the, that the coach calls and. That, that discipline is really important, but the determination of not staying blocked, not being beat, just just outplaying the guy in front of you, that's, 
that's that's up to you. That's not a that's not a variable that is out of your control. And I think as that defense plays, and you'll get spread out, yeah, you're going to have to defend a good bit of the field because Andy Reid's not going to get in three tight ends and run the veer. Um, he's going to be coming at you from all kinds of different yep. goofy angles. But it's, it's that first tackler, first guy that gets an opportunity to make a tackle is the most important tackle, tackler at any time on defense. He's got to at least get a piece and wait for everybody else to rally to him. Randy, you were a part of the rise of the dynasty of this team. You know, when they they came from nothing. I mean, l- just perpetual losers, you know? And and mm-hmm. what what the city was going through in the 70s to the great dynasty and, and one of the top franchises in sports. And they've returned. Even though they haven't won the Super Bowl, they've returned to that excellence. And the fan base... It's blowing me away. I watched the game with my little guy the other day um, of you guys in the great comeback against the Saints. There's like seven people in the stands. This is when my dad was a season ticket holder. He goes, you could basically sit anywhere you want. Now Niner fans are taking over on the road and going all over the place. I mean, are you blown away as someone who was there from the beginning when there was no one at the games? Are you blown away by just the fandom of the 49ers? Um, I enjoy the hell out of <clears throat> watching games when they're on the road and <laughs> half the three-quarters of the stadiums wearing red. <laughs> um, and that's pretty consistent. And that fan base has grown leaps and bounds. Um, I always referred to, you know, you, you talk about that game against the Saints. Yeah. And that, that same year in 80, our last game of the year, it was raining, and there were about, I don't know, 18, 20,000 people in Candlestick. I always refer to them as the faithful. You know, I say, you know, the faithful, it's, it's easy to be faithful when you're winning, right. when you're getting rings and all that. But when you're there day in, day out, bad teams, in the rain, you know, and you count those heads, that's how many people that were really true, just hardcore Niner fans. Mm-hmm. And now that number has grown exponentially by the thousands as far as multiples. It's nationally, they may have one of the bigger brands in all of sports, the hell of the NFL. Yeah, no, you're right, Randy. I mean, you're spot on. We've, Shaska and I have started to travel over the last few years, and it's spectacular to go down to L.A. and take over the Rams Stadium, SoFi, go on to Jerry's World and take it over that stadium here. But I do want to ask you about getting ready for the Super Bowl, because mm. this week is mayhem. Obviously, all the media obligations, media opening night. I know it was a little different in the 80s, but what was it like that week of prepare for the Super Bowl? You land, you get your practice work done, and you fly out, whether it's Detroit, whether it's Miami, Miami, where you play, whether it's New Orleans. What is this week like for the players? Um, it, it can be something that you, you really got to have an opportunity to enjoy something of it. You know, at least a night or two during the week, go out and have dinner, maybe go to a club or something and relax and right. blow, off, blow off a little steam. But you've really got to, you know, reel it in as the week gets longer. You've done a lot of the hardcore work, physical work, last week. This week, it's much more the mental side of the fine-tuning the game plan and fine-tuning your game and, you know, maybe for the eighth, ninth, tenth time watching that game that you you think is important of your opponent and trying to get that one little key, that one little read, that knee is cocked a little bit differently when they do this, that type of thing. And that's what you're looking for. And I think that's what you have to kind of retreat into as this game gets closer is just, just looking for that one little edge, and you can always find it. You know, Kyle looked a little loose on Monday at the uh, at the media 
uh, night. It, he just seemed very comfortable and calm, and I feel like the players felt very loose because they've, they've been here before. And you, can you just retell us the story about Bill Walsh dressing up as a bellhop? <laughs> you know, cool. before the first yeah. one, keeping you guys loose. Because I think his his comedy is underrated yeah. uh, in retrospect. We think of him as like so serious and f- so cerebral. Yet he he really understood how to like get people to laugh in the moment. Yeah, yeah, he really did. And there's a lot of examples as far as jokes and stuff he'd say in team meetings and whatnot. But. I just remember, and I was one of the first, you know, five or six guys off the bus. As I got off the bus, I was worried about busting my butt, you know, on the ice or something. So I'm looking <laughs> down at the ground as to what I'm stepping on. And all of a sudden, this this arm with this jacket of like a, you know, bellhop reaches out and grabs my bag. And I've got my hand on it. And I yank it back, and he yanks it back the other way. And I look up and go to yank it really hard, and it was Bill, and he's smiling. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> I keep walking. And he's doing that messing with guys as they come out. And that's that's just one of the ways he did it. I mean, he just, for instance, we, we both, a lot of stuff about practice venues this week, right? Yep. Yeah. With uh, UNLV and uh-huh. the soft field and whatnot. We had to use the same field. We had to use, actually, the Silver Dome. Wow. And we lost the toss, so we had to practice early. So we're practicing early. Cincinnati's in the tunnel at the end of our practice. They can't wait to get out there. Their their chin straps are buckled. They're ready to go. They're just going crazy. We're out there. Bill's blasting music, all sorts of different music. We're playing air guitar in the background, just kind of having fun, goofing off as the defense runs their drills. And you look down to the other end, and those the Cincinnati players are just shaking their heads. And you know they're thinking, these goofballs, they have no shot. We're going to drill them. And it had a, a completely opposite effect on us because at no time in that game and in the whole process were we really uptight. What, what was more you know, jarring in keeping the, the crew loose? Bill dressing up as a bellhop or Hacksaw urinating right on the field? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we got kids in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's I a was, famous story. I know it is. I, I was more amazed than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> he was a character, I mean, huh? I, me personally, I was on the field when that happened. <laughs> so you come out of the sideline and you just feel somebody is getting a drink and you sit there and somebody is one of the backup guys goes, man, you wouldn't believe what, sh- what just happened here. <laughs> Say what? Hacksaw was peeing on the sideline. They hold up towels, and he's over there, and I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I got to ask you, Randy. Uh, uh, going to the first Super Bowl, that's a lot of fun. But what was it like going to that Bengals Super Bowl in Miami? Ooh. And I don't know if you guys had any inkling that it would be Bill Walsh's final game as head coach of the 49ers. Did you have any clue that it would be his last game? And if you did, what was that week like, knowing that, damn, Bill, Bill might be stepping away? Yeah, you know, I, I had announced my retirement that Wednesday at the media day. Uh huh. And on the plane going to Miami, I went up to first class and I sat down next to Bill and I told him what I was going to do. And he's sitting there and he's drinking a nice little glass of white wine and he sips at it and he looks at me and goes, you know what, I think that's great timing. And if we win this game, there's no telling how much longer I'm going to be coaching. And he goes back to sipping his wine, I get up and I leave. And being the uh, astronaut-level genius that I am, I didn't take that hit, you know. So when he retired, you know, the Monday or Tuesday in Monterey after that and and left the game, I was totally shocked. 
until he actually announced it. Then I sat there and I went, you idiot. He told you that on the plane. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you retired after that game, Randy. No, that's right. That's right. You did retire after that game. What a game to retire from, man. Super Bowl. That Super Bowl was special, man. Montana to Taylor, and of course you guys win that one, twenty to sixteen. You win three championships, beat the Dolphins and the Bengals twice. Randy, it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. Gonna be. We're a little nervous about Mahomes. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mahomes scares us a little bit, but feels like, man, this is the time. It's been a special season for this group. They've got high level, high IQ guys, good character on this team. It feels like it's time to break this drought, Randy. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the Niners take this. And I think uh, you're going to see a lot of things in this game. It's going to be crazy. I mean, Kansas City loves to play a lot of man. Mm. And Spagnuolo likes the blitz. He likes to do it because he's got a really good defensive line. So that the line of scrimmage is always important in, in these yep. games. But I think it will be even more important, whether it's a Niner D-line performing against the run or the Niner O-line being able to pr- protect Brock Purdy for that extra half a second before it drills the ball down the field. Who, who's your X factor? I, I think CMC. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be the, the Swiss Army knife, the, the, multi, the multi-tool. You know, and the guy that never gets talked about, uh, you know, or not talked about enough to me because there are so many stars is Ayuk yeah. and what a huge presence he is. But maybe my favorite guy on that, on that skill position, uh, that team full of skill guys, might be Jennings. Ooh, anybody anybody yeah. that can drop block somebody's ass all the way into the bench is my kind of guy. Yep. I love that. Jawan Jennings is a tough guy. Let's go. You got the Niners winning, huh, Randy? Yes, I do. I think they come back. It's going to be a late fourth quarter. Either way, O or D score, but it's going to be a <laughs> Niners late. So we'll be stressing. I got goosebumps. We'll be stressing. I can't wait. Randy, hey, Randy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We admire class. you, man. Uh, I had a poster of you uh, holding up Bill Walsh's Stafford Stadium after you guys blew out the Dolphins uh, back in the Super Bowl 84-85 season. So, Randy, uh, we'll talk to you whenever you can, man. We'd love to talk to you, man. Absolutely. It's always good catching up with you. You got it. Anytime you need me. Randy Cross here in the morning. Ross on 95.7 The Game, courtesy of the Boxer Girls and Guest Line, three-time Super Bowl champ. That's crazy, man. On the flight, Phil Watson's telling him. He's like, yeah, I don't even. Okay, whatever. You know, I, I know there are uh, there's a time and a place for all these things, but like the memories of this franchise to my family, and I know to you personally, it means a lot. You know, I my early memories of sports were going to Candlestick to Giants Day games and going to Niner games on Sunday with my grandfather. And my dad. And we were very blessed because both my grandfather and my dad had individual season tickets. They, that was part of their family ritual. That was our family ritual. When me and my brother you know, got to about 18, we started buying the season tickets. And this team has always been there every Sunday. Win, lose. Like, yes, they were winners. They were amazing. They were a great dynasty, some great memories, all those things. But, like, the familial bond that, that, that we have over heartbreak, over happiness, over everything, like... This team means a lot to this region, and they're the only team. You know, the Warriors moved west. Giants moved west. And, and those are great teams, and I, I love those teams. This is the first born-and-raised Bay Area team yep. on the West Coast in 1946. Yeah. And what yeah. it represented for the city at a time of turmoil, coming out of the, the dying out of the hippies and everything like that, and some Harvey of the assassination Milk. attempts, and Harvey Milk, yeah. and Moscone, and et cetera. You know, coming out of that bad era of the 70s, for that team to represent that community, at that time in the way that they did the lovable losers finally beating America's team 
This team means a lot to a lot of people up and down the coast of California, and it means a lot to me. And I'm I'm just I'm kind of like pinching myself well, that we're here again on the brink of trying to get back to where we were forty something years ago. Well, I, you know it's funny. Greg Wog, who uh, does play by play, UC Davis, he worked here for a little bit. Good kid. Freelancer with the Examiner called me yesterday to do a story. And he asked me, he asked me a bunch of great questions. Mm -hmm. But he said, "What would this championship mean to the city?" And I said, "Damn." He goes, he goes, hey, well, how do you phrase it? He goes, "Would this be the biggest championship in Bay Area sports history, or most impactful, something like that?" Okay. And I and I, I was thinking about. It, I said, "You know, 2010 was special because we hadn't seen the Giants win in San Francisco. 54. All they, they, although they came from New York City. Yes, they weren't our original team. They came from New York. Yeah, moved to San Francisco. They're ours now, no doubt about yeah. it. But 2010, I was like, wow, the Giants actually won a World I know, Series. I know, it was coming close and close and close. Then 2015 happened with the Warriors, and I thought. Wow, the Warriors are NBA champs. Was, I was just praying for them to get past the first round of the playoffs. I know. Like, I was just hoping for playoffs. But the Niners, to your point about being born here in 1946 and playing at Keysar in the drought, like, they haven't won a Super Bowl in the internet era, right? I know. The internet era, the Niners haven't won a Super Bowl. And Miles in San Francisco had a tweet the other day. They really touched me. He goes, boy, this Super Bowl between the Niners and the Chargers. That video gets grainier and grainier by the year. He's so right. HD can't save it. So I'm thinking if the Niners do pull this off on Sunday, there's generations, the John Curleys, the Sam Lubbins, all the youngsters who haven't seen the Niners win yet. Like, it's different for us because when the Niners last won it, I was 12 years old. So I kind of understood football. Yeah. And we were around for that dynasty, yeah. For especially the Broncos one and the Bengals. I remember the Bengals game like it happened last week. Mm -hmm. I do. So I've been a part, you know, viewed three Super Bowls. But this one in our adult life, to really understand football, to be in this position, and if they win it, that parade could be an all-timer. could be the best parade ever had, a championship parade in Bay Area sports history. Well, and, and to get over the hump, I think, is the big thing. Because like, when I think about the Giants, like, 2 is a heartbreak. 2 3 Okay, 93, 80, 89, 93, 89. Bonte, this team has been in four of the last five NFC well, championship games. I'm just games. going back to the hardball years, Jesus. though. Jesus! Well, I'm just going back to hardball. Four of the last five, and then with hardball, you had three straight. I know. That's seven NFC title game appearances since 2011. I, that's what I'm saying. That's seven tw title game appearances in the last 13 years. You guys do the math. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's room service because you've been so, knocking on the door forever. So this team and this fan base that's started to travel now, you know, Baldy said earlier this season, it's like 40, 49er fans want to be known as a team that travels. They want to be known as a fan base that will take over your stadium and take pride in doing it. Absolutely. And they've done that over and over over the last five. Heck, when it started with Harbaugh, and then Shanahan is taking it to another level. And think about Shanahan and Lynch building this thing brick by brick. When they came aboard, they said, brick by brick, we're going to build this team into a bully. Brick by brick. And think about all the bricks they've assembled. All right? The George Kittle brick. Mm -hmm. The Fred Warner brick. Guys, we it's like, okay, yeah, George Kittle, whatever. You know, Fred Warner, whatever. And they've become all pro players. I mean, brick by brick, they've built this team into a juggernaut. And it's the one thing that's missing. Well, but be the like, one thing missing. Let's go back. Let's go back for just a second because I, I, I want to get a little nostalgic here. When we were growing up, and the Niners played on Sunday, you could hear a, a, a pin drop in the city. The whole city shut down. Would you agree? The whole city shut down. And, and as I told Greg Walk, up until I was 18 years old, 
All I knew was winning. That's what that's They missed the playoffs once. <laughs> we and they were 10 and 6 that season <laughs> when they missed the playoffs. They lost the play. They didn't make the playoffs because of a tie break situation with the Saints and the Falcons. They were 10 and 6 and missed the playoffs. When I was growing up, when we were kids, Friday during January, you were wearing red and gold yep. to school on Friday. Remember Niner Day? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm seeing all my buddies with their children and stuff and all the kids that I coach. They get to now share that with their children. Yep. right? I get to share that with my son. You've shared it with with your daughter. You know, you, you've made Anna a, yep. a Niner fan. Yep. You know what I mean? Like being able to share these experiences and go through them, it is really special. And like I think about how many freaking heartbreaks we've all had hanging around that television as a family, watching this team and get kicked in the nuts or right at the of, end. Or walking out of a stadium. Or walking out of a stadium. The walk out of SoFi Stadium. With my dad. My dad packed the bag <laughs> before Jimmy Garoppolo could even hike it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.